Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. All right, friends, welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. I'm with my partner in crime, Jeffrey Denzel Harley. Hey, what's up, Insurgents? We are here again in Orlando, Florida, in a hotel room, answering your questions about the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom. So I want to read one here. The question is, I would like to hear your take on the reality of spiritual principles and kingdom principles as seen from a Christ-centered view of the kingdom. Meaning, there is a camp that extracts the principles and makes it all about these universal spiritual truths and does not necessarily understand the reality of what the kingdom is, reducing it to principles and spiritual laws. Hmm. However, there is a reality to the principles that God uses and honors and that we see in Scripture. I would like to hear your take on a healthy view of what it looks like to honor deep spiritual truths in our daily life while keeping with the integrity of the kingdom message, not reducing it to a formula or a plan to get what you want. Now, this is a great question. We did talk about this in one of the early episodes of the podcast, I think the first or the second one. Okay. And we mentioned this very problem. But there is a group of Christian teachers that basically look at the kingdom of God as a set of principles that you put in your life and you follow, which in effect will give you success in this world. Okay, I've heard that. Yes, and we did. We were disposing false uh, notions about the kingdom right. of God. And so I think this episode should be put alongside of episode one and two mm-hmm. when we started the podcast. Yes. But we'll drill down a little deeper. Now, not only have Christian teachers taken this and separated and extracted principles of the kingdom from the king, from the person of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So now you just work these principles. Yes. You really don't have to have a connection with the king. That's right. Because if you work the principles, they're universal. Mm -hmm. Even God uses the principles, so Mm -hmm. it's taught. You also have this in the business entrepreneurial world where people don't even know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they're using these principles. All right. One good example of this is what some people call the law of attraction. I'll use this as an example. Okay. The law of attraction is the concept that says if you imagine something to happen, something that you want to happen, and you imagine it, you act as if it's already happened, you speak it as if it's reality, Mm -hmm. you envision it in your mind, you positively live, act, and speak as if that thing has happened. Then you are, in effect, attracting, signaling to the universe to draw all those things to you, hence attraction, Mm -hmm. so that What you have imagined and spoken and envisioned will now come to pass. Yes, I've heard that. I've heard people phrase that like you're the master of your own destiny. Sure. Make self God. 
Sure, and some people call this a secret, and there's been books and videos and all sorts of things. And and what's interesting is that a lot of this is based on some of the teachings of Jesus regarding faith. Mm. If you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, right? You can speak to this mountain and it'll move. Whosoever believes what he has said, it will come to pass, yes. right? Passages like that. The problem is you are taking those teachings out of the biblical concept of the New Testament and you're removing it from the object of faith, which is God himself, Amen. which is Amen. Jesus Christ himself. Faith is not a formula. Amen. Faith is not a force. You know, it's not something that you can take and use at your disposal. Mm. Faith is complete and total trust in the true and living God, the Amen. God of Jesus Christ, the God who is in Jesus Christ, the God who is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what faith is. Yes. It's not this thing that you can just pull out of that context mm -hmm. and use for your own purposes. Yes. Yeah. So consequently, it's the same way with kingdom principles. There is no kingdom of God without Jesus Christ the King. Amen, somebody. There is no relationship to the kingdom of God or living in the kingdom of God or expressing the kingdom of God without allegiance and submission to the king. You can't separate the king from the kingdom. Amen. Yes. So what people are doing in effect when they extract principles and try to apply principles instead of having a living relationship in submission and surrender to the king is they are distorting and I would even say perverting. Yes, yes. What the New Testament and what Jesus and what Paul taught. It's a distortion of those realities. Yeah. And it's not something that God says grace over. No, that's right. You know? Granted, if a person doesn't know the Lord and they try to put into practice the teachings of Jesus, right? Turn the other cheek, mm -hmm. given it shall be given. Well, that's a whole lot better than living selfishly, right? Yes, yes. But it's not kingdom living. <laughs> no, it's not. Because, again, you're separated from the king. <laughs> you're separating from yeah. the king. If you've listened to the Insurgents podcast for any length of time, you cannot divorce the king from the kingdom. Amen. When you do that, you don't have the kingdom. You've got something else, right? And that's what this is. And one of the things that the kingdom of God does, if it's a kingdom principle, quote-unquote, is to forsake everything, including your love of money and yes. material possessions. Yes, yes. yes. And when people teach kingdom principles, Jeffrey, it's the opposite. It's it how is. can I get? How, how can, can I, I gain? How can I get ahead? How can I get more money and more stuff? And that's a perversion of the kingdom message. Yes, it is. Eat from the wrong tree. It's right back to the Garden of Eden again, the tree of the knowledge of what good and evil is for you. You can be God apart from God. And like you just said, if there's a king then that means there's a ruler, and you can't be a king unless there's people that you rule. <laughs> if you're a king with no people that you rule, then you're not a king. And there's also then a geographical area that the king rules the people who live in that area. So you're separating the king from the kingdom, so there it's not kingdom principles. And I've heard that, people using those things. You know, when you, when you were describing that, Frankie V, I couldn't help but think of the movie The Water Boy. Because it like puts that doctrine out there. If he can just envision the quarterback, for those who've seen the Adam Sandler movie Waterboy, just envision the quarterback as like these people that have heard him from the past 
then now he has the motivation and the energy to be able to make the sack on the quarterback and be this great player. And the whole message is like just basically then envision that that you want and you can make it happen. Yes. And that's just being God apart from God. You know, it's self yes. becoming God again. And so we see this is one of the reasons, like even when we watch movies and things and being in the kingdom, is to see those spiritual principles that the enemy is trying to put through movies and those things and the importance for us to be under submitted to the king, as you said, and being a part of and hearing that gospel of the kingdom and then being able to discern all these messages that we're constantly being just bombarded with through movies, TV, radio, news, all over, because that's the message that the enemy has said from back to Genesis 3. You can be God. Mm -hmm. He says that lie. Wow. Yeah, I'm just thinking about Jesus. He is the prototype of a person who is living in the kingdom of God. And Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't go around using faith as some force. He didn't go around saying, oh, well, these are kingdom principles, and I'm just going to apply them to my life. Yes. First of all, he didn't have anything. He wasn't He wasn't a okay. wealthy man. Son of man has nowhere to... Foxes have holes, birds go. have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Exactly. Yeah. The only thing he owned when he was crucified was a garment. Mm. Was a seamless robe. A seamless robe. Right? You know, if he was using kingdom principles, it didn't get him very far ahead in this life. <laughs> no. Nah, nah. In fact, he never used it for himself. Think about when he's being tempted in the wilderness. If you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. He doesn't do it. He never used his faith in the Lord or the power of God for his own personal benefit. And we know that he could have done that because he feeds 5,000 in the wilderness at one time. He, you know, he, he takes that small meal that the little boy had and he and he, he manifests a miracle, but it's for others. It's not even for Absolutely. his own personal benefit, you know. And so, yeah, we don't see Jesus operating where he uses those uh, those principles, if you will, for his own benefit. He says, "I only do what I hear the Father." Well, that's it right there. The Bingo. Said. He wasn't living by kingdom principles. Yes, he uh, wasn't applying amen. these universal truths. Yes. He wasn't using faith as a force. He was constantly listening to his yes, father, yes. living by his father's yes, life, yes, surrendering yes. himself to yes, his father, yes. allowing his father to reveal himself to him. And he was expressing the father that was mm. in him. So it's not principles, it's relationship. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. And faith is not about a force or applying a principle. It's about a relational connection to a God Amen. who will bring about his will. And you can't divorce faith from God's will. Amen. The scripture is clear that if you pray and you pray for something that's not God's will, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Amen. Amen. And this is where the whole principles, universal truths, faith is a force camp goes off the rails. Yes. Yes. Because it divorces itself from relationship with the Lord. Amen. And it seeks to accomplish things and bring things into existence that are not the will of God for the glory of God. Amen. Here's a passage on that point you said about Jesus not pleasing himself. Romans 15, 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself. Wow. Wow. That says that's right on. That's spot on. 
you know and for us it's it's let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who looked upon the things of others as more important than himself so all of that i think pretty much crumbles discounts this idea that you can extract principles from the teachings of jesus related to the kingdom of god divorcing it from the king himself yes yes and one of the things that john nugent said so eloquently in one of our episodes on kingdom work is that if the things that we're doing and living in are not going to go into eternity as part of the new creation Mm -hmm. after this old creation passes away and it's not working toward that it's not kingdom work amen because the kingdom is something that's eternal amen it's not temporal amen he said it much better than I just put it. By well, <laughs> you said it well enough that I got the gist of it. When, when you said that, what resonated in my heart was in 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul talks about, you know, certain works of gold and silver and precious jewels mm. and certain are hay, straw, and, and, and it's all subjected to the fire. And, you know, and the hay and straw is what we do out of our own natural man, yes, our own natural amen. strength. We're not being empowered by the life of Christ that lives on the inside of us to do the work. And I believe that what Jesus, as you you brought out, Frankie V, was Jesus lived by the indwelling life of the Father, and and we live by the indwelling life of Christ. And so only what we allow Christ to do through us, that, that is eternal. And so if Christ never used faith, if you will, for his own personal benefit, Mm. then, you know, that, that'll be one of the telltale marks right there. But if it's all about me and what I get and what I can have, you know, grab it, blab it, um, <laughs> then, uh, or blab it, grab it. Whatever, name it, claim whatever. it. Yeah, name it, claim blab it. Blab it, grab it. Yeah, you know, and I just envision and I just get that, then that will not go into eternity. Therefore, it's not kingdom work. That's true. I will say something about where the truth lies when it comes to confession. I think in some Christian camps, this idea of the words you say, the power of life and death lies in the tongue, there's such an overreaction that, gosh, if I say something negative or if I say something that's not positive, then all of a sudden that's going to stop God in his tracks from Mm. bringing about an answer to my prayer. As if, you know, the Lord is up there in heaven leaning over the banister with his ear out just waiting for you to say something negative Mm. then he's going to hold back the angels all right that's it i heard jeffrey say such and such don't deliver that prayer that's right it's almost superstitious wow when people think that way but here's the other side of it and here's the truth of the matter i believe therefore i have spoken Mm. that's a quote from the new testament right so If I pray for something and I really believe that God has heard my prayer and I believe that it is the will of God and Mm -hmm. I believe that the Lord will be honored by the prayer and glorified by the prayer and I believe that he will accomplish what he has promised Mm -hmm. and I believe that he will bring about what I have asked him to do, then my confession, what's going to come out of my mouth naturally now, is going to be in line with that prayer. In line. It's yes. going to be in line with it. It's not going to contradict it. But it's not this superstitious thing that, oh gosh, if I say something that is negative, it's not going to happen. I mean, just think about the example when Peter was in prison yeah, and the saints yeah. in Jerusalem were having a prayer, prayer meeting yeah. and they were praying for Peter to be released. Mm-hmm. 
and there was a knock on the door and somebody goes over and opens the door and it's Peter and they say Peter's here and they go oh that can't be Peter that must be his ghost <laughs> well well they had a negative confession folks yeah, that's a good example but the Lord answered the prayer yes, <laughs> before yeah, they yeah, even yeah, confessed yeah, that yeah, yeah. right the one man said Lord, I believe, because Jesus said, well, do you believe I can do this? Uh-huh. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. So we don't have this stringent, austere God mm. that operates like a human being, like a soup Nazi. Mm. But if you don't put in your order right, <laughs> no he's going to, no soup for you. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And, you know, it's interesting because I think that for our own comfort level or whatever it is, we want to put God in the box because in the same vein, God might give us a word praying and say, hey, I'm going to heal you from this. But then he might just put in our heart, and I want you to go to the hospital where you're going to get the healing. You That's know? Right. I mean, it, it, it just can't put him in a box and say it's got to be this way or that way. I also love what you said because uh, I came up in a tradition uh, when the Lord first first saved me. It was like, you know, you shouldn't drink coffee before church, even if you're tired, because... You know that that's you just gotta you just gotta confess that I'm not <laughs> tired, or if you have a headache, you know don't take any aspirin. Just lay oh, hands man. on yourself and just confess I don't receive the headache. And you know sometimes God might say that to you, but uh, I would say well I don't receive the headache, but take two Tylenol at the same time. <laughs> sure, I mean God <laughs> heals through natural means. Yes. Who created yes. medicine yes. in the first place? Yes. Yes, you Don't. know, and so Luke was a doctor. I Luke was, was a doctor. That. Jesus yeah. made the statement very positively toward medicine: mm-hmm. the sick need a physician. Yes, and he wasn't condemning it. Yeah, he uses it as a positive example in one of his statements. Mm-hmm. It is the sick who need a physician, but those who are not sick do not need a physician. Absolutely, there's texts and proverbs that are very positive toward medicine. Absolutely. So, you know, I've read before uh, in some of your work, Frank, and some of Diedrich Bonhoeffer's work and and some other people, uh, that prayer is just kind of me repeating what I hear the Spirit of God speaking in my spirit and just echoing with that and and just uh, agreeing with that. So I've heard even in the tradition that I first came up in was, uh, you know, I think it's in Proverbs, uh, blessing and cursing or in the power of the tongue, or and those who love the fruit thereof will eat it. So just only say positive things and only just... But I look at the psalmist, and the psalmist sometimes cries out and says, you know, Lord, why? Mm-hmm. You know, why are you, why are you forsaking me? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going through this, I'm going through that. And most of the psalms, the psalmist ends up working their way back. I, I love Psalm 73 with that. He says, I would have almost fallen. And I almost fell. I mean, he's so there's an honesty level too that we can come with the Lord. Absolutely, you know, and he he knows that situation, and, and then he talks with us. I, I think that that's dangerous when we just make people just say, just say that, just say this. You know, God allows us to struggle with those internal issues and and work it out with Him because He's a loving God. You know, He loves us and He knows, and He knows that we're complex beings and that that we deal with certain things. So anyhow, you can't separate the kingdom principles from the king. Yeah. You just can't. Well, we have another question here that will take a little turn okay. to look at a new subject. And I'll read the question. We are missionaries in third world countries. We are ending our mission in the Dominican Republic after five years. And we are questioning if any of the work we did was actually kingdom work. We spent a lot of money, brought a lot of teams, purchased a lot of stuff, 
that all looks like it is good work, but we are leaving exhausted, confused, and quite honestly with a hint of dislike for those we served, which is the opposite of why we came here, supposedly driven by love for the people. Any thoughts you have about this? We know God turns all things to good for those who love him and are called to his purpose, and we believe God will use this experience for that. Thanks for any insight you could offer. Well, first of all, I don't know, Jeffrey, what they were preaching there. Yes, yeah. You know, if they were helping the people with physical needs, then as John Nugent and I talked about in a previous episode about kingdom work, which Mm -hmm. if you haven't heard it, I'd recommend you listen to that. That is noble work. Mm -hmm. That's loving work. That is beneficial work. But only what relates to submission to the lordship of Jesus and the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom and the receiving of the gospel of the kingdom that is part of the new creation. Only that is kingdom work. Now that doesn't mean that other work is not beneficial work or work worth doing. Loving people, serving people, that's all great. So I don't see this question expressing something that was not beneficial to people. I'm sure the Lord used it. I'm sure it was helpful to folks. But her question is, is it kingdom work? And I I can't answer that unless we know what they preached. Yes. And, you know, if they brought people into the kingdom of God, if the message caused the people there to forsake all, to follow Christ, Mm -hmm. then that's definitely kingdom work. Yes. Right? If they built a community where the people there were taking care of one another out of the life of Jesus, loving one another, living outside the world system, Mm -hmm. living as an alternative civilization, bearing witness to this eternal kingdom that God has brought to the earth, then yes, that's kingdom work. Amen. Now, it almost seems like there's another question here embedded in this one. We're leaving exhausted. We're confused. We have a hint of dislike for the people we Mm. serve. Okay, now that, to me, Jeffrey suggests that it is very possible that this couple was operating not out of the life of God in them, but out of their own natural power and strength, out of a good motivation, right, for good reasons, with good intentions, but I question if the source was the Lord himself, the Mm. source of the energy and the power, Mm. and if the Lord even led them to do that. Because when we're exhausted and we're perplexed and we're confused and there's a lack of love, that to me seems to indicate that this may have been natural power being leveraged in the work of God. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I like how you first uh, approach the question. You basically, for me, defined that kingdom work is is proclaiming the king. It's it's talking about leaving the world system. It's about shared community under the lordship of Jesus Christ, under the headship of Christ. So again, it doesn't say in the question whether they were proclaiming those things or not. I was thinking about just my own self in the uh, city of Philadelphia. I'm involved with a couple of groups. One is called Called to Serve. And so 
you know, it's about economics and education and, and helping people get jobs and, and different things like that. Well, there's no proclamation of the king or those things of eternal value. Anyone, you could, you could throw a stone in the crowd and hit somebody and, and get them to help you do that. And they not have a relationship with the king. So there's no proclamation. It's good work. It's good to help people get employment. It's good to help people get affordable housing. It's it's a nice thing to do. But is it new creation work? And you know, I just say no, it's not, because we don't we don't proclaim that. There's no opportunity to do that. And in some instances, you're prevented from doing that. So, you know, I kind of was thinking of that. The second part of how you address that, Frankie V, I love because then where's your source for the energy, for the motivation for doing the work? And so you just took their own words and said, you know, when the source is the Lord and you're living by his life, that lack of being burned out, that, you know, not even, there doesn't sound like there was any love even for the people there. Well, God's nature is love. Mm. So I've served with some some people who were unlovable. Mm. But because he was the source, he had to transform me, if you will, over a period of time to begin to love the people because he began to give me the grace to see them as he sees them and not as I saw them. And so he changed my perspective of how I was seeing them. And, and that took time of him working on me. Because when it's kingdom work, I think that the ministry is like a two-edged sword. It, it'll benefit those people that are hearing that, especially if they respond to it. But it also benefits you because there's a transformation that goes on in you yeah. of becoming more like Christ because it's it's his life like doing it through you. So I like how, how, how you approach that question. Because that's a very difficult question to respond to. We don't hear whether or not they were proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. You say three things in insurgence that, that we have to hear the gospel of the kingdom, and we have to live or obey the gospel of the kingdom, and then we can proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. And I think that's a good paradigm to kind of move on. I can only hear it from somebody that it's been revealed to, and then I can only obey it. I can't obey it in my own natural strength. It has to be the life of Christ in me. Then you say something else that I think it takes like a pound of flesh and a pint of blood, you know, to, to obey that still and then to proclaim it. And I can't sell a ticket to somebody else to a place I've never been to. This question about was my ministry really moving the needle? Mm-hmm. Did it have value? Did it have eternal value? Did I preach what I was supposed to? Did I do what I was supposed to do? I think this question plagues many, many people in ministry today. Yeah, where they look at the results, like these people, they're exhausted, confused. Mm -hmm. I know because I get mail from pastors quite often who are singing pretty much the same tune here. And so if you're in ministry and you're listening to this, I would encourage you to consider if you're having some of these same symptoms and you can relate to this question on any level that it is better to hit pause Mm. on your ministry and to step back and take time to reflect before the lord what am i supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. what am i supposed to be preaching if i'm a preacher what am i supposed to be teaching if Mm. i'm a teacher and am i giving to others what's real in my own life Mm -hmm. Amen. Am I giving to others 
that which I know from experience, mm. whether it's something I'm dealing with right now, that's right, and yeah. struggling with right yeah. now, and I'm yeah. bringing other people on yeah. a journey with me, yeah, to walk with me through that mm-hmm. and learn together, or is it something that I have mastered in my own life that I can give to other people and say, "Look, I've been here. This is what it looks like, yeah. and I'm now yeah. passing this on to you, and yeah. I can bring you into the same space." I think so much ministry today is driven by religious duty. Mm. That's what this sounds like to me. There's religious duty here, Mm -hmm. right? There's obligation. Mm -hmm. And for many people in ministry, particularly pastors, so many of them, not all of them, folks, but so many of them, they feel stuck because their paycheck is attached to this job. That's right. And so when they hear someone like me saying, you know what, how about hitting pause? How about stepping back and spending some time alone? You know, I don't mean a couple of days. I mean some real time before yeah. the Lord to reflect yeah. on what you're doing. And if this is, in fact, what God wants you to do, and if, in fact, you are drawing from his strength, mm, you're drinking his from wells. his wells, yeah. you know. But then well, what about my paycheck? What about, you know, the tithes and offerings? What about this and that? I just think that people who are stuck in those positions really need to give some serious consideration of how they could, in effect, step away from it even if there's a cost attached to it, you know? Amen. Because to keep going on, to keep going through the motions, mm-hmm. so to speak, right? Yeah. yeah. Because of financial security, it's not a good place to be in. It's not. It's really not. It's probably better for me to say it, but um, that's a very honest, transparent question that, you know, the, the person gave and shared a lot. So, even on piggybacking on what you said about hitting the pause button, I think that this person that asked this question, my assumption is, since they're asking the question through the Insurgents podcast, that they've read the book Insurgents. And if you've read the book Insurgents and you're really searching for that, obviously you sound like you're in a leadership type position in ministry, then you might preferably consider even attending a ministry mind because you can come around some other like-minded people who have read the book Insurgents and share some of these concerns, you know, one-on-one mm-hmm. with a small group of other like-minded people. And, you know, Lord's willing, the Holy Spirit working through the body of Christ in that setting could even give you some more uh, encouragement, direction, and if need be, correction, so that you would be equipped for, for every good work. Because obviously you sound like you have a heart to at least are a sense of mind to want to go out and serve the Lord, to go for five years and live in another country. And uh, so to hit the pause button and, you know, who knows, maybe the Lord will reroute you or or whatever could happen. That's a suggestion I have for Mm. that too. And I understand that obligation. You might kind of feel you're in ministry. If I hit the pause and, and my financial security, if you will, is based on me to continue going and going and going. But, you know, again, when God is the initiator of something and he's the source of it, then uh, this uh, this old Baptist preacher used to say, see Gardner Webb, uh, where God guides, he provides. Mm. So, uh, you know, if the Lord would guide you in that area, then you're going to have to trust in him for the provision. I'm thinking of Paul right now because what Paul did... Mm. He was in ministry, so to speak. Yes. He was a Pharisee, yes. right? Yes. Okay. So he was serving God. There's no question about it. Mm. You know, he talks about it in Philippians three. 
I mean, this was a man who was not just a servant of God, but, I mean, he was all in and yes, all out. Yes, he was. He was a zealot of the highest order. And then the Lord got a hold of him, and he spent three years mm. in the desert. Come on. And yeah. what Jesus was doing there, what the mm. Holy Spirit was doing, was, was giving him a brand new light mm. to, through which to look at the scriptures that he had known very well. Yes, and he saw them in a totally different light. Yes, he did. And it totally changed the trajectory of his service to God. Yes. Now, you may say, well, yeah, but Paul wasn't a Christian. And you're talking about when he went from being a Pharisee to a believer. That's missing the point. The point right. is he was serving God, right? Mm -hmm. According to his understanding and knowledge and tradition. And he needed to hit pause. To detoxify mm -hmm. from his present understanding and have the Lord infuse in him a brand new look, yeah. a brand new revelation, a yes. brand new vision, yes. a brand new understanding yes. of the scriptures that he had read yeah. for so long and, studied all and the God who he had served for so long. Yes, yes. That's the point. Yeah. And this applies to so many ministers today even, I think. Yes. Ministry Mind, by the way, Jeff, thanks for mentioning it. If you're interested in what he's talking about, you can go to ministrymind.org, ministrymind.org. It's a mastermind for people who are in ministry, yes. particularly those who are preaching the gospel of the kingdom or who are interested in the gospel of the kingdom from a minister's perspective, those who preach and teach. And uh, there's a wait list. They just get on the wait list. We have them every year, and uh, God willing, we'll continue to do that. But, yeah, if you get on the wait list, you will receive an email invitation at some point. The wait list is really an application because mm -hmm. we do look through it. It's not for everybody. Yeah. So, anyway, if you're hearing this or you know someone, let's say you know someone who's in ministry, maybe they're a pastor or a teacher, and they have benefited from the book Insurgents mm -hmm. or any of the work that we've done you could let them know about this ministry mind yes and send them the website and have them fill out the application because every time we've done it it has been a game changer Amen. in our lives yeah. and i have developed wonderful relationships with people in fact jeffrey that's how Amen. i met you brother you October came to 2017 a, you came yeah. to a ministry mind yeah. we connected you made close friendships with some of the other brothers yes, who were there. Yes, we're still in contact. Uh, some and sisters. And yeah, sisters exactly. There, we had yeah. some sisters there as well. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, when you said how uh, Paul hit the pause button and for, uh, you know, three years he was in the desert and the Lord just ministered to him, that when he writes 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 4, he says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In verse 5, he says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And verse 6 is the one I really want to emphasize on. He says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And Paul is, is saying here too, he says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And that harkens back to, to Genesis 1, when the earth was, was formless, it was void, it was chaotic. 
it was out of order. And Paul is, is like saying that before the light of Christ shone in his heart, he was just like the earth, without form, without void, in darkness. And if you think about that, when he was so deep into being a Pharisee, obsessed and completely committed to that, he was radicalized in Judaism, that when the light of Christ came into him, when he hit the pause button, when he went to the desert for three years, when he spent that time with Christ, that he said, you know, he was like the light of Christ shined into him and gave him that revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and then in Galatians 1, he talks about that it was because of that revelation that he was able then to preach Christ to the Gentiles. So, so hitting that pause button and taking that time and, and just setting aside is uh, so very important because none of us want to run our race in vain. Mm. And, and, and none of us want to, you know, get at the end of the journey and then be as a person whose house was burned up, but they were rescued out of the burning house. So, so amen. I, I'm just in complete agreement with all that. October 2017, coming down here to Orlando to a ministry mine, you know, there's several relationships that, that I still continue today with a couple brothers and, and, and a couple sisters that are, are still edifying and, you know, strengthening and just that whole experience was literally a, uh, a change. Uh, it was just so, just so refreshing. Well, folks, I think we'll end it here. And we will see you next week for another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. And if you are benefiting from these episodes, and there's so many of them Amen. that we've done yeah. previously, and yeah. God willing that we will continue to do, all on different topics related to the gospel of the kingdom. If you've benefited, please consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Amen. If you have iTunes, because that helps other people find it. Yes. And we have hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there today, and it's easy to get buried. It is. If you're a podcaster. So thanks so much. Talk to you later. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.